Tonight's message is a light message. This is, uh, you know, you go get pancakes, you can get the heavy syrup or you can get light syrup. This doesn't have a lot of calories in it. So this is, this will be easy. You can eat this all day long and it won't, you won't gain weight. All right. Are y'all happy? Look at me and give me a big smile. I want to look at everybody. I want a big smile out of you. All right. Is everybody smiling to me today? All right. Tom. Tom, when's the last time you got a good whooping? <laughs> All right, let's turn in our Bibles to the book of James. The book of James. Every once in a while, I kind of like getting a little, few things out of the book of James. Tonight, I just want to talk to you about what, what is your life. And there's a few things that God has said about life that we need to always be cognizant of it. You know, realizing that it's not long. It was just the other day I was born, and here I am now getting old. And it won't be long before I'll be checking out of here. And you know that song we just sing? I'll meet you on the other, on the other shore or something like that, whatever it was. Somebody in heaven. Uh, that song was a long time ago. It was, it was at least three minutes ago. And, um, but here in the book of James in chapter 4, I want you to look in verse 13. Verse 13. Because this is a lot about how we do things and plan things. Go to now, ye that say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city, continue there a year, and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, then vanishes away. For that you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now ye rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him it is sin. Some good verses. And uh, kind of helps us to realize uh, that James is a book about us living for the Lord, serving. And that um, this is what we should do. And there's things in here about, uh, you know, looking into the Word of God and doing what we are supposed to do and uh, with one another. And so there's things to watch out for and the rebuke of the tongue and, and all these things that are mentioned. And he says there's fightings among you and all these things because you got your eyes off of something. Christians can so easily get distracted by other things. I um, often have that happen when I'm driving down the road. And, you know, you can get into a trance and looking straight but after a while, your eyes get glazed, and you can't even see the road, and you're looking straight at it. And then there's other people who are driving, and they're everywhere, you know. And they're, they're driving wherever they look. Now, Betty knows that wherever I look to, I turn the wheel to. And she says, Yankee, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't know why, but I do. Yankee! <laughs> Scared to death, and I just get back on the road. Because, you know, I, I, I won't even think about it. And if I go to turn the radio on, I, I, I turn. I, I turn. And so you're not supposed to do that, but I just, there's something about it that's saying, now nobody's going to ever want to ride with me. But you know, you got to keep your eyes on the road, but uh, if, you, if you get into a trance, you're not going to see all the beauty. No, somebody told me, says, slow down, Yank. Smell the roses. You ever have somebody say, stop and smell the roses? I did one time and a bee stung my nose. So I don't do that anymore. 
But here in the book of uh, James, um, it's one good key out of these verses that life is uncertain. We don't know how long we have. Wouldn't it be neat if you knew, well, I don't know if it would or not. What if you knew exactly how long you had to live? Would that be frustrating? Would it would be encouraging or discouraging or what? It's, it's better not to know. I think it's just better not to know. But anyway, look at the first thing I wrote down here. Scripture always speaks about the brevity of life. It doesn't say that it's how long. It's so long. It's, it's the brevity of life. It's like a smoke or it's like a vapor. It's here for a little while and pew, you're gone. But that's what God says. Now, I guess in relationship to eternity, that's not very long. I look at 75 or 76, you know, whatever. And that's a long time. And yet it's just happens so fast. And there's um, things that I have done in my life, and I want us to look at a few things that maybe you have done in your life. Look at the next statement. There's only one step between me and death. It makes one think of eternity. The uncertainty of life should make us think about things that are really important because we know we are not going to live here forever. So we ought to try to find out what's the most important things to do and do that. And um, to believe the, the right things and to guard your testimony, guard your life. But sometimes that works with people. Sometimes it doesn't work with people. Some people say, this is the only life I got and I'm going to enjoy it while I can. And then they go, go wild. The next statement, we do not know what tomorrow may bring forth. Now, you know some ideas about things. If you've lived long enough, you know that uh, certain things are going to happen. But there's no guarantee that any of those things will happen. Because you don't know you're going to be here tomorrow. Do you have any guarantee anywhere in the Word of God you'll be here tomorrow? Not any guarantees whatsoever. But we often say, and one of my slogans is, you know, everybody likes slogans. Never do today what you can put off till tomorrow. Does that make sense? <laughs> oh, I think I got it backwards. Always do today what you shouldn't do tomorrow. No, that's not right. Um, never put off tomorrow what you can do today. Oh, I think that's closer to it, something like that. I got Warren over here to help me out. He's, uh, he's brilliant in those areas. Look at the next statement. A man who is 90 may recall all of the past but it cannot predict tomorrow. It doesn't matter how long you've lived, you cannot know with certainty what's gonna take place. And God wants us to know this because you'd be surprised how many times we worry about tomorrow. It hasn't got here yet. You ever heard somebody say, don't cross the bridge until you get to it? Don't cross the bridge till you get to it. And well, how can you cross the bridge if you hadn't got to it yet? Well, in your mind, you already have projected yourself on the other side of the bridge and all of its problems. Well, you haven't got there yet. Or you have to say, you know, we'll cross the bridge when we, when we get there. We'll cross the bridge when we get When that time comes and you have, then you can think about that. So there's some things that are little wise statements here and there, but we got to realize that life is uncertain. I am so thankful that at least my father-in-law reached me when, at least he reached me. That would be better not being reached at all. But I would have loved to have been reached a lot younger because I realize now I almost died a lot of times before I ever got to be 18 years old. I mean, I could have very easily have been killed so many times. But I'm thankful that God allowed me to live. And by the grace of God, I trusted him as my Savior. And... Um, 
Dale back there this morning, he says, uh, ain't it amazing when you think about where you came from and what you're doing now? I said, yes, if my daddy knew what I'd done, he'd probably turn over in his grave. Now, a lot of people say that and so forth. But my mom and dad, as far as I know, when I was growing up, they didn't know the Lord. And they never talked about the Lord. So there was a, 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 a span of life there for 18 years that I never heard anything about, you know, the Lord. I'd had a lot of catching up to do. And I, I didn't have anybody at that time except my father-in-law. We only was him for just a small period of time. And I, I wish I had somebody else that was, you know, was just like me that we could have gotten together and talked and encouraged and done something. But there was nobody telling me what to do. I didn't even know there were Bible colleges. I didn't know there was other churches except that one that I was in. And that was at Northside Baptist Church in 1960 to 1962. And then me and Betty left. And I would never dream that I'd ever gone back there and become the pastor of that church for 15, 16 years. I didn't know. But yet, the time that I was there, now we were down here. And I think, well, look who's come out of that ministry up there. And John John and... Trent and uh, Justin and Tyler and uh, there might be some others I don't know but but there's a bunch of people that did come out of that ministry but now look at the next statement life is dependent it means that we always have to depend on something if we want clothes we have to have money so we have to depend on somebody to give us a job we got to always work you got to have a place to live you got to have food to eat we are dependent give us this day our yearly bread daily we need we're dependent upon something every day do you realize if God didn't supply your next breath what would happen to you what if he only had enough air to last us one more breath oh that would be terrible wouldn't it but could he do that could he cut off all the oxygen he could no he could just stop the earth and let it fry on one side and freeze on the other side he could do that but God is a good God and a merciful God. But life is dependent. Look, life is dependent on God if the Lord will. God wants us to know that it's not a sin to plan, but it's a sin to plan your life without God. Because whatsoever is not of faith, it is sin. We're supposed to do those things we believe God would have us to do. And if you don't believe that what you're doing is the will of God then you don't have the faith that it's God's will. And so it, a sin, you should try to study God's word and see, am I in harmony with the word of God? Now, there's probably a lot of things that are sinful in God's eyes that we don't consider it that way. Because we come, time to time, we put it in categories and uh, oh, we don't think that's as bad as the other. And so there's some light sins and there's some darker sins and there's some white sins. You ever heard of a, it was a white lie? You ever told a white lie? I mean, you wouldn't tell a black lie, but you would tell a white lie, right? All right. Now, in God's eyes, I don't know if he's goes by color. I don't know. But look at the next statement. It is not a sin to plan, but it is a sin to plan without God. That's what these verses are talking about. We're going to go into such a city, and we're going to do this and this and this, and we're going to get gain. God says, maybe you will, maybe you won't. Because there's somebody else that's in charge of life. And God can let us make decisions but we can't always tell what's going to be the consequences of those decisions. We can plan, but it may not be the, um, the right thing to plan. And uh, depending upon yourself, your own skills, talent, abilities, knowledge, and all those things, God is going to do a work. Now, if we get time to come back to Daniel chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar's prize, it, it takes the whole chapter, but it deals with this. And uh, God had to deal with them very harshly. 
because he look at this great kingdom that I have done. Look at my majesty. Look how great I am. And the Lord made a, a nut out of him. Took away his thinking process and he wound up in the field like a maniac. Anyway, it only took seven years for him to learn a lesson. Now, some people learn faster than that. Some people live and learn and never learn. Now, get this. Life is accountable. Now, what we mean by that is that um, there is a purpose to life. There is a plan to life. There's something going on. If we were just accidents, then, of course, you know, there's no purpose to it. You just do whatever you want to do. Nothing matters. Nothing matters. But this uh, little statement I wrote here, whatsoever will be, will be, is wrong thinking. And what, it's the will of God. Everything that happens is the will of God. No, it's not. There's people that are going to go to hell, and that's not the will of God. There's people that are Christians and are rebellious, and that's not the will of God. Not everything is the will of God. And so God is grieved at times. He has wrath at times. So, no, God doesn't get his way on everything because he gave us a will to choose, the ability to think freely of coercion or, you know, the force of anything outside of ourselves. We can freely make decisions, and there are consequences to our decisions. No purpose, nothing matters, is wrong thinking. But do we do this sometimes? Like, well, it doesn't matter. Who cares? Um, it's my life. I've heard a little bit of everything. I guess at times in my life I've said the same thing. I mean, I'm no angel. I've got a sinful nature like everybody else. And if it hadn't been for the verses in the Bible kind of pulling you back, pulling you back, pulling you, there are restraints upon you. And you think a lot of things, but sometimes aren't you glad that you live long enough not to have done all the things you thought about? Aren't you glad that not everybody knows all the things you did? Aren't you glad that nobody knows what you thought about? Isn't that wonderful? Just knowing that nobody knows what I thought. And then you think, well, God knows. Oh, I hope we don't tell. I hope we don't tell. I hope we don't tell. Look at the next statement. There is a divine purpose. God has a plan, and everything matters. You see, either everything matters or nothing matters. It's got to be one way or the other. Has it ever occurred to you that nothing has ever occurred to God? Don't you like that statement? In other words, you just got yourself in a jam, and you don't know what to do. You're frustrated, and it never occurred to God that was going to happen. God didn't know that. And does God really love us, and he knows everything that is going to happen to us? He knows what people are going to say and what they're going to do, and he may not stop them. He, he loves just to let you Simmer a while. Stew for a while. He doesn't always immediately open the door that you want him to open. He doesn't always close the door. You want, Lord, if you want me to go through this door, open it. And he, he, he doesn't, like, God, did you hear what I said? I mean, I spoke. You're supposed to jump. And nothing, it's like nothing happens. God will let you make decisions. And God will also make you, let you make wrong decisions. See, what we want to do is blame God if I made the wrong one. It was God's fault because I asked him for the wisdom. He didn't give it to me. Well, he gives it to you when you ask in faith and you're patient and you wait for it. Did you wait for the answer or you just take things in your own hands? Jump the gun? It's possible. Look at number four. A look at the past of your life. What do you see? All right, I'm, say, 76 years old. I look back over my life. What do I see? Do I see accomplishments? Do I see accomplishment? 
Do I see any failures? Do I see any guilt? Do I see a lot of undone things that I wanted to do and never did? Is there places I wanted to go and I never got to go? As you look back upon your past of your life, does it bring joy, guilt, shame? What do you think about? Because, see, somewhere along the line, this is you. This is your life. I remember years ago they had a TV broadcast. This is your life. And they would bring in somebody and they would say, this is your life. And they'd bring up some, your brother and sister they haven't seen in 40 years or some parent or grandparent or something like that. Somebody was really important and shocked them that, you know, they were there and they had, um, you know, uh, whatever you asked for, you could get and all that kind of stuff. I used to love watching that. I even saw one they called, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Remember the guy walked around and he would give a million dollars away? I mean, they literally literally did it. Who wants to be a millionaire? And, of course, everybody said, me, 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 me. Well, there's a lot of things that gets us to the place where we should not be comfortable where we are and what we're doing and so forth. And yet God said, be content with whatsoever you have, wherever you are. But we're not always content. We always want more. That's just something like that's the nature of man, to want more, do something else, be adventuresome, you know. And uh, we don't like to be bored. We want something happening, something exciting. And so um, this takes a whole lifetime to figure out. And by the time you finally figured it out, life's over. It's kind of like playing golf. By the time I get to the 16th hole, I finally figured out what I'm doing wrong. And only got two holes left to play. That is so frustrating. And now I wonder, why can't I start off the way that I ended up? It just seems like it doesn't work that way. But look at the next statement. No purpose, nothing matters, is wrong thinking. But you look at your past. What do you see? Accomplishments? How does it make you feel? Who are they for? Whatever you did, who did you do it for? Did you do it for yourself? Did it leave you empty? How would you feel that you are right now in your life? Are you satisfied that you're doing what God wants you to do? Are you right now, are you where you believe God wants me to be? In your maturity, things you've done, your accomplishment, or there are a lot of things in the past that really cause you a lot of grief, even though you think about them and brings it up. You think, man, I wish I had never done that. I wish I hadn't done that. Has it ever been like there's um, somebody playing ping pong inside, back and forth, you know, and just you're so unsettled? And there's things like that that can happen to us. We're people, we live in a sinful world, we have a sinful body, and it's a crooked and perverse generation that the Bible talks about. This is why it's going to be so good when we finally get to heaven and all this is over with. Because God has promised he's going to deliver us one day from all of this. Because we're not going to be able to solve all these problems. Regardless of how long you and I live, and regardless of how holy, righteous you try to live, not everything seems like it works out. There's problems. There's persecution. We talked about that in our Sunday school class this morning. There's persecution. Those who live godly will suffer persecution. But as you look back over their life, are you glad you did what you did? There's good decisions and there's bad decisions. Now, from this point on, remember, if you're looking back at your life and you see a lot of failures and things like that, and you try to figure out, now, my future that's out there ahead of me is going to be determined by what I'm doing now. Because 10 years from now, I'll be looking back on this time. 
I told Betty, I said, you realize we've been here almost nine years, a few more months, nine years. Seemed like I just showed up, like I just came down here. Because, of course, I never, I don't know how you, you're supposed to look at things, but, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm just temporary. But in reality, we're all temporary. And we don't know how long we're going to be here. But God is working in our lives. And in spite of all the things that goes on, we're living in a wicked world. And we have problems. But look at the next statement. A look at your present. This present time today, where you are right now, do you feel lost? You feel like you've lost your way. And there's people who like they've gone astray from the Lord. There's a song we sing called Wasted Years, Wasted Years. And um, I have preached in different places, and I've had people say, you know, I just feel so ashamed that I've wasted so many years. I knew the Lord. I went astray. And now I'm back, and I want to serve the Lord. And I got all these memories. I got these scars. And I've wasted so much of my life. I wish I had never wasted those years. And maybe if you think about it, don't waste any more. You can't go back and get, but you don't have to waste any more. Because your future is being determined by your obedience to God today. Do you want to be able down the road at the end of life be able to look back and say, I have fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. You can't say that if you don't do the things. It's, you should always take a look at your life. How am I doing? This is my life. Look at the next statement. Are you totally confused? Are you discouraged? Think about where you are right now. Are you discouraged? Now think in your mind, why? What are you thinking about? Are you thinking about things you can change? Or then you can change it. Are you thinking about some things you can't change? If you can't change, let it go. Do what you can and forget the rest. Leave that in God's hands. Or you'll drive yourself nuts. Because there's people you can't change people. Only one you can change is yourself. I was going through some of my notes the other day, and I found three pages of notes, front and back, all those notes. And they were all on prayer. And the first time I preached that sermon on prayer, it was three and a half hours long. I preached it at Colorado Bible Church long time ago. And uh, uh, Lee Stanford took over Florida Bible College. He had me come down and he says, I want you to see. And I was going to be on a Wednesday night. He says, we, we need prayer. We need prayer. So I thought this sermon would be good. And I told him, I says, it's going to be done after the evening service and I'll be speaking. And so they had the college students there and it was, it was, it was full. And it was on a Wednesday night. And I preached that sermon. I told him, I said that morning, I said, it's, it's a long sermon. So I really cut it down. I trimmed it down to, it was only two and a half hours. But it was a sermon on prayer. And I says, one of the things we do is like the flashlight. We shine the flashlight on what we want to pray about. Whatever it is you want to pray about, you got to focus in on it. Shine that flashlight on whatever it is. And then you pray about it. Then you take the flashlight and you turn it over and look at yourself. Now, how can I be used of God to answer that prayer? I said, because sometimes God reveals things to you, lets you see things that needs to be done, then expects you to turn the flashlight over and says, what are you going to do about it? You see, when you're really concerned about reaching the lost, turn it back over to yourself. Now, what are you going to do? Somebody needs the help in the choir. What are you going to do? Somebody helps in the, the nursery and, the, you know, the youth group and the Iwana. What are you going to do? 
So you're always trying to find out, am I just trying to stir up problems? Am I really concerned? Did I really pray that God's will be done? Well, then don't I want God to use me if it's possible and do whatever I can do? Because it doesn't take much to say, you know, this is what you ought to do. You know, you ought to be involved. You ought to do this, and you ought to do this, and you ought to do that. And you walk out and never do anything. Boy, we ought to really support the college kids. We ought to take and send some kids to camp. We ought to have some scholarships for this and scholarships for that. And we ought to have money for the radio broadcast. Boom, 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 boom. Y'all ought to get involved. But not me. You don't do nothing but, boy, I want everybody else to do it. Should you do what you expect others to do, to do what you can do. And maybe you can't do a lot of things, but you'll always have to remember the little flashlight illustration. When he says, pray ye the Lord of the harvest that he'll send forth labors into the vineyard. You pray the Lord of the harvest. And then the very next verse, he sent them out. You pray for the Lord of the harvest. He'll send forth labors into the field. <laughs> and then he sent them. But anyway, look at the next statement. What about your vision? Do you have a vision right now, this day? Are you encouraged or discouraged? How are you looking at life? How are you looking down the road of what do you want God to do with you? What would you like to do for the Lord? What would you want to accomplish? Or you just see yourself as a, well, I'm going to fail anyway, so it's no sense trying. I can't do this. I can't do that. And you're a, you build a wall of bricks around yourself. I can't. I can't. I can't. And after a while, you'll build yourself a little prison. And you got to live in your little prison. You can't do anything. You can't go anywhere. You can't be nothing because you have boxed yourself in. Well, I can't. I can't. I can't. And God says you can. See, all these I can'ts is generally because there's a lie behind it somewhere. But when you believe the truth, the truth is I can. I can. I can. And the way you dispel the lie is by believing the truth. And the truth will set you free out of this prison that you build for ourselves. Look at the next statement. Number six, a look at the future will be determined by the things you do in the present. Your future is being determined by your obedience to the Lord today. Your future is being determined by your disobedience to the Lord today. Whether you obey the Lord or you disobey the Lord, it determines what's going to happen to you down the road. Whether God blesses you or has to chasten you or take you home before your time. So your future is being determined by your obedience to God today or by your failure to obey the Lord. Very important. Look at the next statement. What will your future hold? What do you look at? What do you look at? Now we know that there is in the book of uh, Genesis uh, a little lady. Her name was Eve. Did she do anything wrong? Did she do anything wrong? She saw fruit. Took her eyes off of what God says and she saw fruit. But remember, it's not just the fruit. It's that she rebelled against what God says to do or not to do. You can do this and you can't do this. And she made a decision. Think for a moment. Has that decision she made, has it affected anybody? Has there been any consequences down the road? Now, if Eve could walk in here right now and look back over her past, and I would say, Eve... Is there anything as you look back over your life, is there one decision that uh, stands out more than others you'd like to change? I leave that fruit alone. I hope that's what she'd say. 
Now, some of our misery that we have today is because there were some decisions that we made in the past that we shouldn't have done, and we did it anyway. Don't make it again. Don't do what caused that, whatever that might be. We're supposed to learn and move ahead. Look at the next statement. Hey, look at Achan. Who was Achan anyway? By the time he got through throwing some stones, he was Achan all right. What was this about? Anybody know the story about Joshua and them? Joshua went in and they, Joshua fit the battle of Jericho, and the walls came a-tumbling down, and there was a great victory, right? And everybody was excited. Well, city of Ai, was, that's just a little old place. Don't have to send everybody, just enough to do the job. And did they have victory or were they in defeat? Huh? They was defeated. And Joshua's beside himself. What happened? Well, see, there happened to be one man in the midst who did something he shouldn't have done. What did he do? What did he do that was so wrong? He took something he wasn't supposed to take. Was it some Babylonian garment or something? Did he steal some silver? Now, the scripture's right here, and we could take time to look at it, but I think that uh, y'all have heard enough of the story. I just want to, because I want to cover the rest of these here. But Achan stole. He says, I saw, I coveted, I took, and then I buried. And so, what did it cost? Well, the price that he had to pay, it's no big deal. I mean, just a few little old items. Nobody's going to miss it. Who knows? And lo and behold, he took those little old simple things. He hit them. And Joshua had him, his wife, his kids, all his animals, all his possessions, that silver, everything they had, killed them, burned them all. They're all destroyed. Look at the fallout. Now, if he could stand here today and you say, Aiken, if you look back over your past, is there anything that if you could do it over again, what would you do? He says, number one, I would have never taken those things I was told not to take. You see, life is supposed to teach us something. But most people, they repeat the same problem. They got them into the same problem. And you'll do that again. And then do it again. And then do it again. Because we just can't believe, you know, it wasn't that bad, but you'll find out there can be a lot of consequences down the road. Don't do today what has a bitter end in the future. Terrible results down the road. Look at David. In 2 Samuel chapter 11 and verse 2, the day when kings go forth to fight, and he sent forth his armies to fight. What did David do? He didn't go, did he? He went over and looked out over the balcony, didn't he? And he saw something. What did he see? Don't get too graphic. <laughs> he saw a beautiful woman. A beautiful woman. The Bible puts it in scripture. She was a beautiful woman. God created her. She was beautiful. Where was her husband? He was in the battle. Oh, where was David? He was out of place. He wasn't supposed to be there. See, he, he should have been where he was supposed to be, but he wasn't. He stayed, and he saw a beautiful woman, and from that one beautiful woman, sin was committed. Then he had to kill her husband. She got pregnant. 
The baby died, and he paid for it four times in his family. Four times in his family he had to, because of what David did. And if David was here today and could look back over his life, I bet there, there's some decisions he wished he had made better. Now, we can't go back in time. Wouldn't it be neat we could correct this, correct that, but God doesn't allow it. He wants you to correct the day, correct the future. So that when it's all over with and you stand before the Lord, aren't you glad that God forgives us of everything we have ever done? But it's amazing how that we have a difficulty forgiving ourselves and we'll carry the guilt all the way down the line. You commit those things to the Lord. Lord, it was wrong. I sinned. Forgive me and go ahead. And try not to repeat the same thing that caused you the same problems. Because, you see, you're just liable to live another 10 years. And the consequences down the road, are they going to be good or bad? Are they things you could tell everybody, do what I did? Whatever it is that I'm going to do, it should be right for everybody to do. Because right is always right. Look at the next statement. Ahab. Anybody ever heard of Ahab, the Arab, the sheik of the burning sand? Well, well, maybe it wasn't of the burning sands. And, but anyway, Ahab... Well, somebody had some land, and he wanted it. What was the name of the guy that had the land, and he wanted it? What was his name? Anybody know his name? Neighbor. He had some land. And what did well, Ahab coveted? He wanted that land. And he didn't care what he had to do to get that land. And no Jezebel, his wife, well, I don't know how old she was, but Jezebel, his wife, Says, why don't you just kill him and take it? Isn't that wonderful, godly wife of, of no, no, for you, hubby? Because he was having a pouting party. He wanted it, let it go there. She said, well, kill him and take it. You're the king. You're the king. Was there any consequences after that? Yeah. Took old Jezebel and says, chuck her down, boys. So they chucked her down seven times. <laughs> no. I have a, a poem that I've read that has to deal with Somebody learning how to preach the word of God, and it's, it's funny. It really is. Every once in a while, it comes into my mind. Look at the next statement. But he wanted land. See the next one? Judas, he wanted silver. What do you want? They gave him 30 pieces of silver. What did Judas do for that 30 pieces of silver? He wanted something. What, what did he have to do? Betray Jesus. For money... He betrayed Jesus Christ. Now, if Judas would be in here today, is there any decision you think he might change? Or if he was in hell, he might say, boy, I messed up. But he did say, I have betrayed innocent blood. You see, if we look back up on our life, we're not to focus upon our past. We're not to focus there. But it is once in a while good to take a glimpse at what our life has accomplished. What God has forgiven us of. And move forward looking unto the Lord and realizing that if I don't watch myself, I'm going to do the same things I have done before and I'm going to suffer the same consequences. Learn. Be wiser from now on. Make better decisions. Stay close to the Lord. Make sure that you always ask and seek God's wisdom in everything that you do. As far as our future goes, there in 1 Corinthians in chapter 3, 
And we know this part of the verse. Every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. I know that down the road, God is going to reward me because there is accountability. There's accountability in everybody's life. We're going to have to give an account to God. Now, if there is no God, nothing matters. Nothing matters. Good, bad, or it doesn't matter. But if you want God's best for you, God's will, everything matters because everything that touches our lives touches God. God is watching and he wants to bless. God, I see, I am convinced. I have no doubt. I believe God really loves me. Not just enough to save me. And then he, I don't love you anymore. No, I think God really loves me. I really am convinced God loves you. I'm convinced God wants the best for you. And I want you to trust it, to believe that. Look up here. This hand represents you and me. The wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. God, he loves us. Now, he hates our sin, but he does love us. And remember, he loves us so much, he's going to do something for us. But see, you and I, the only way we can pay for sin is spend eternity separated from God in hell. But God loves us and wants us to go to heaven. And to go to heaven, we have to be perfect, as righteous as God. And none of us are righteous. We've all sinned. We can't get in. So the Bible says you cannot save yourself by your works. This hand representing Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. He came into this world because he loves us. Now, he hates our sin because our sin separates us from the Lord. So God says if you and I would just simply believe, he took our sins, paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead. He would give you and I as a free gift eternal life, and we shall not perish. We will not have to go to hell. I will not have to pay for these sins in hell. God gives me eternal life, and I go to heaven on what Christ did. And all that he asked me to do is believe he did it for me. These things have I written unto you that believe you may know you have eternal life. You can know that you have eternal life. Let's pray, shall we? With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're watching by internet tonight, we want you to know that God loves you. In spite of everything you've ever done or what you ever will do, God loves you so much that he died on that cross and paid for your sins. The only thing he wants you to do to go to heaven is believe he did it for you. Yes, God wants us to do right, but we don't do right to get to heaven. Going to heaven is a gift. It's free. He loves you that much. Would you trust him? Right on the screen says, yes, I'll trust Christ as my Savior. I pray that you will. If you're in the auditorium tonight, two things. One, if you haven't trusted Christ as your Savior, you need to trust him. If you already know the Lord, you know you're going to heaven when you die. Just take a moment. Don't you want better things in the future than you've had in the past? A lot of things you can't change. But there's some things you can, and that's that walk between you and the Lord. You can always walk a little closer. Get close to the Lord. Ask for his will. Tell him you want that more than anything else in your life. If you have to be humbled, then let God humble you. But don't lift yourself up in pride against the Lord and find that you're fighting against God. You can't win. Father, we thank you so much for your blessings. Bless each one here. For those who have never trusted your Savior, we pray, Lord, whether here in the auditorium or there, those that are watching by Internet, would put their complete confidence and trust in what you did on the cross for them. And, Father, for each one of us as your children, we don't have all the answers. We know that we're growing in some things we've done when we were younger, a lot of decisions. 
and a, a lot of things that's brought a lot of pain perhaps in our lives. But Father, help us to look to you and walk with you and a little bit closer and realize that we can't trust our flesh. And Lord, that we want to be pleasing to you. We want your will more than anything else. So thank you so much for this time together. Bless each one here. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.